How's everybody doing today? Great, great. Good to see you. Glad you're here. Uh, 1 Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. 1 Peter 5, starting verse 1. Uh, so we are wrapping up 1 Peter and uh, kind of exciting to, to kind of be there at the end. And, uh, uh, you know, uh, at the end of the fall, it doesn't, it doesn't seem like we're quite there yet, but we are. I mean, we are uh, middle of November and uh, we have our Thanksgiving meal on Wednesday and uh, and then, you know, pretty soon we're going to be in celebrating Christmas and the end of the year. Listen, and uh, I like Christmas too, okay? But I like Thanksgiving. I like to go in order. Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas. Anyway, uh, so a lot of exciting things are happening. At the beginning of the year, our, our mission team is going to Ecuador, and uh, that's exciting. And, uh, you know, if you... they. They said this on the announcement. I just want to reiterate, though, like the, the expenses for that trip have gone up like everything else in this world. And so if you want to give towards that, you can. There are some people that, that may need a little bit of help with, uh, with covering those additional costs. And, you know, it's a, it's a worthy trip. Uh, you know, that's a, an evangelistic trip they're going on. They're going to explicitly share the gospel, have gospel conversations with people that churches in Ecuador have set up for them to have. And so they'll be teaching the Bible. There'll be, Pastor Ken's going to be preaching. They'll probably do some baptism. And uh, souls will be won because of this trip. And so it's a worthy, worthwhile uh, trip. And it's worth giving some extra dollars to if you have it. First um, Peter chapter 5 is where we're going to be today. Uh, why we, before we get into this verse, I, yesterday was Veterans Day. I, I think it would be a mistake if we didn't today honor our veterans and if you are a veteran, would you do me the honor and do us the honor of just standing for we can honor you? And if you're a veteran, would you stand? I just want to let you know that I'm proud of you. I'm thankful for your service. I know that we are a, a better country because of you and men and women like you. And so we thank you for your sacrifice. We thank you for your service. And we are so grateful that you're a part of our service here today. And um, thank you so much for serving our country. First Peter chapter 5, starting in verse 1. Uh, we're going to go to the verse 7 today. If you would, let's pray. Father, we give you thanks for the day. We thank you so much for the many blessings that you've given to us. We thank you for your love and kindness and generosity in our life. And Lord, I know that, uh, that you are an unseen guest with us today, that you are in our midst. And so, Father, we um, submit our lives to you. As you lead, as you guide, Father, I pray, Lord, that you would speak to each of us in the way that we need. Reveal sin, reveal uh, anger reveal anything that's going on in our life that shouldn't be there. Maybe it's jealousy, maybe it's strife, maybe it's um, unhappiness, maybe it's a lack of trust in you. Father, I, I know that in each of our lives there are things that are going on, there are times of uncertainty, question marks, and so Father, help us today to rely and put our faith and trust in you, to cast aside distractions, to, to be at peace with being in your midst today. Lord, this is about you. It's a time where we come together to worship you and you alone. You are worthy of our worship today, Lord, and so help us, give us the grace that we need to do that. I recognize that I have a part in this, 
And so, Lord, if you would, forgive me of my sin and cleanse me of the unrighteousness that is in my life and give me the grace that is necessary to preach your word in a way to bring honor and glory to your name, in a way to bring sinners to repentance and believers into a time of renewal and their relationship with you. And, Lord, if there's someone here today that has never accepted Jesus Christ as Savior, and Lord, I pray that today would be the day, the day they, they recognize they are a sinner, the day that they profess Jesus Christ as Savior and Lord of life. And, Father, I... I, I know that if that were to happen, we would give you all the honor and all the glory. It's not something that I've done, but something that, that you've done. And so, Father, I pray that through the preaching of your word, that the gospel would be heard and that people would respond. Lord, I, I pray for the believer that's here that's struggling, whatever they may be going through, help them to know that you have not left them nor forsaken them, but rather that you love them. Help them to honor you today. Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. And all God's people said, amen. God honors those who honor him. God honors those who honor him. I uh, recently read an article from the Kansas Bureau of Investigation, and they made the following statement. In order to investigate and gather facts, the KBI, Kansas Bureau of Investigation, executes search warrants on police departments, sheriff offices, and at city council, at city, I'm sorry, at city and county state offices. Maybe they should be the city council. Uh, we have investigated those who work at schools, churches, Pastor Ken, watch out, and uh, all levels of public service. No one, he says, they say, no one is above the law, whether a public official or a representative of the media. No one is above the law. Have you ever been around someone who acts like they are above the law, who says one thing, who does another? I have a friend of mine, a good friend. If he's listening to this, I'm picking on him today, and he deserves it. Because like, what he'll do is he'll write tickets for people that are speeding, okay? That's what he does. He goes around, he sits in spots, and he, if you're speeding, he's going to pull you over, and he will write you a ticket, okay? Now, when he speeds and he gets pulled over, you know what he does? He pulls out his badge and he flashes it to the officer. And you know what they do? They let him off with a warning. And I just want to let you know I want one of those badges, okay? There are times in my life where I could use one. But it's not somewhat hypocritical, you know what I mean? Like you do something wrong, you don't get a ticket for it. But if somebody else does, these cops today, I tell you what, you can't trust them. <laughs> if I could be honest with you today, though, there are times when I preach something and I, it's hard for me to practice, right? You know, being faithful is hard, even for pastors, friends. And it's, it's by God's grace that I'm able to preach God's word. It's not, you know, I, I haven't perfected it at all. And I, I don't have all the answers, and you get it. And our pastor of Scripture for today, Peter, is saying that pastors are not above the law, that the church has been facing heavy persecution. And I believe that he, at the tail end of this letter, is saying to the, the elders of the church, he's saying, hey, your church is going through hard times right now. Don't think that just because you're the elder, you're the leader, that you're above the law, that you're above the level of being persecuted, but rather that it's a, it's a level playing field. We all face the persecution that our, Savior, that our Savior endured. Let's look at the text. Therefore, as a fellow elder, verse 1, and witness to the sufferings of the Messiah and also participant in the glory about to be revealed, I exhort the elders among you. In 1 Peter 1.1, 1, 1, Peter calls himself 
an apostle. In the very first chapter, the very first verse, he calls himself an apostle. But here he becomes, he calls himself an elder. He is both, by the way. In verse 1, it was to show his authority as an apostle. Here, though, in verse 1 of chapter 5, he calls himself an elder to, I think, to identify, to have some commonality with the elders in the church, okay? So to say, hey, I'm one of you, just, I'm just like you, okay? Again, that's part of his point in this whole passage is to say, hey, you're just like everybody else. And here he is emulating that for them to see like, hey, you know, just I have a little bit more authority than you do as an apostle, but I also am just like one of you, an elder. An elder was a church leader that didn't need to be an eyewitness. Apostle was an, uh, an apostle was an eyewitness of Jesus Christ's ministry, and they didn't need to have such authority. The, the, their authority was local more than it was uh, at, a, at a larger scale. It was for one church. Every community had a, a house church. If, they, if a community had a house church, and some communities had more than one, but if there was at least one, then there was at least one or more than one elder to serve that community, to serve that church. In the larger communities, like a city like Jerusalem, where there are many house churches, there would be more elders. So the more churches that there were, the more house churches that there were, the more elders that there were. And so this isn't just like, there wasn't just one elder for that one community. It was multiple elders for the community. It refers to a position of, of leadership. Uh, most of the time, the, the man was overseeing the church. Uh, it, an elder could, can be replaced with the word overseer or bishop. Uh, the the Greeks would often use the word overseer or bishop, but the Jews would use this word as elder. So oftentimes we see these words interchange depending upon who the author is speaking to. Okay? So let me ask, does this mean that we should have elders today? I mean, again, I, I think that it, I think we do. Again, an overseer is a pa- an elder. They're, they're the same word. This means pastor, leader, church leader. I had a conversation with a, with a young man here recently, and he was trying to convince me that, that every church is better off with an elder model, that there should be a, a group of pastors that are overseeing the church, and they should be the executives, the leaders, the authority, the governing body for that church, okay? And, and I, you know, there are times I do believe that a church should have an elder board, okay? There, some churches are better modeled and formed and and constructed to have that mindset or have that, that model. I, I do believe that even that being the case, that it's best to have a, to be congregationally led, okay? That the congregation is the one that's helping us make decisions. But let's just say you have a, a group of a church that, there's large churches, even in St. Joe, there's some large churches. We go down to Kansas City, you go to Chicago, you go to Dallas. I mean, there are some Houston, there's mega Atlanta. I mean, there are just massive, massive churches, right? thousands upon thousands upon people. And if you were to have a business meeting <laughs> in a church of 5,000 people, can you imagine that? Like, who would want to go to that business meeting, right? Like, you know, there's a couple hundred people here today. We have a business meeting. There's maybe 75 that show up. And that could sometimes be a whole lot of fun on a Sunday afternoon, right? I mean, like it's, everybody's like, let me go to the business meeting. To heck with the Chiefs game. I want to go to the business meeting. Like, that's you know, that's the mindset, right? So sometimes there is a need. I really do believe the larger the church grows, 
Sometimes the elder model really is. But think about it this way. The, the elder model that we see in Scripture, it was one group of elders for an entire community. Okay? So for St. Joe, there would be one group of elders for this entire city. Think about that for a second. Does that make sense? Does that work in today's society? Of course it doesn't. And so we, we have changed things to fit our times and needs. And that I, here Peter says, not only am I an elder like you, I, I've witnessed the Lord suffer for our sins. So he's saying, not only am I an elder, but I'm also an apostle. I've seen him suffer. There, there are times when, when scholars look at this chapter 5 and, and as an unneeded addition. They don't really kind of make sense of it. And I believe what Peter is really trying to say here is, hey, though I'm, I'm like you, and I, I'm, I'm also, I'm a little bit, I have a little bit more authority than you do, there isn't one of us, friends, that's above the law. There isn't one of us that, that has this authority and this power that, that I mean, like, None, our Christ, the man that we worship, the man that we, who saved us from our sins, suffered and died so that we might have a right relationship with Jesus Christ. And if he suffered, then me, myself, an apostle, an elder, I'm, I'm listen, I'm not above it either. And don't think for a second that none of you are either. Verse 2. Shepherds, shepherd God's flock among you, not overseen out of compulsion, but freely according to God's will, not for the money, but eagerly, not lording it over to those entrusted to you, but being examples to the flock. He says, be an example to the people that you shepherd. Be willing and eager to walk along God's people. The word shepherd means to, to feed. Uh, the role of the shepherd was to tend to the flock to tend, to tend and feed the sheep that he was responsible for. Uh, do you remember uh, that after the resurrection, Jesus going to Peter and saying three times, Peter, do you love me? Lord, I, you know that I love you. Do, you. do you love me? You know that I do. Of course I do. Yes, Lord, I love you. Three times. And after each time he asks the question, Peter responds, of course I do, yes I do. He says what? Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. Tend to my sheep. Shepherd my people. This is what he says, to, Jesus says to Peter. And here Peter is saying to the church, shepherd God's flock among you. If there was ever a time, friends, when the people of God needed a shepherd, it was here. In the midst of chaos, in the midst of persecution, in the midst of difficulty, these people were facing a battle that they had never faced before. They were facing persecution like they'd never seen before. And what they needed not was a, they didn't, what they didn't need was a leader that was going to tuck tail and run and, and leave them alone in this time of uncertainty, in this time of chaos, in this time of fear. But rather what they needed was a leader that was going to stick by them, that was going to care for them, that was going to tend to their needs, that was going to feed them, that was going to be a man of honor. 
If the role of an elder was to feed the people, then Peter says, make sure that you're feeding them the right food. You ever raise an animal, cat, dog, livestock? I remember we used to have cows at our last house, and uh, it was during the COVID, and we got these two calves like, like the week COVID hit, you know. I mean, the guy that we were, bought the cows from, he, he was supposed to go to Florida, and he didn't go because, well, everything shut down. So we got these cows, and uh, we started feeding them. They went out to the pasture, and they would eat, and then we would give them a little bit of grain each day. And, uh, you know, and <laughs> they got, we gave them this. I went to a friend of mine who had, and I, I said, hey, what do you, where do I get, get some good grain for these cows? And he recommended this place. And so I went every week, I went and got grain for them. And somewhere in the middle of that summer, uh, they, they raised their price, like everybody else has raised their price, you know, and I'm like, golly, this is getting expensive to feed these darn cows, you know. I mean, I could, I'm going to lose my skirt if I do this, you know. And so I, I, I went to a, a cheaper store and I bought some feed. And you know what those cows did? They wanted nothing to do with it. They're like, listen, I ain't eating that. You know, that's not the food that you gave me. This is bad. Like, they, they knew. And it, so I, I tried to, like, mix it in with the other stuff and they, they would just sniff it out. And like, I'm not touching that stuff. They knew. And listen, young men and women in leadership, okay? If you are desiring to go into ministry, if you are, you are serving and leading, and, and listen, the people that you feed, they will know if what you're feeding them is junk. If you're not authenticious of the calling that God has placed in your life, if you're not truly faithful and devoted, if you're saying one thing and doing another. I, the people that you lead, they're not dumb, even if they're kids. I mean, kids aren't stupid. I mean, youth, you cannot lie to a 13-year-old. They know, they can see right through it because they're the best little liars you've ever seen in your entire life. Like, they, they got it down. You cannot fool them. And friends, like, if you are a, a, an elder, a leader, a pastor, if you're desiring to do that, what Peter is saying here is, listen, like you need to be the person that God has called you to be. Peter is calling the elders to live and serve authentic lives. Be true to God's calling on your life. It doesn't mean that you're called to be perfect or to called to have it all together. But when you make a mistake, own up to it. Be real. Be, on, be honest. And, the, you know, the great thing about being young and, and being in ministry is that and even just being, even if you're older and being in a ministry, the people, like the people that you serve, the people that, they, like they love you. And they, they know you and they don't expect perfection out of you. You teach a Sunday school class, you lead a small group, you, you, ser you serve in a, this capacity. As a, I mean, they, no one expects perfection out of you. But they expect you to be authentic. Like they expect you to be real with them and to, and to care for them. And to love them. And when they make a mistake, that you, that you forgive them. And you respect them. I, I tell people all the time, and like, I could preach 10 great sermons, and you, you will forget most of them. If, if not all. You might remember one thing I say here or there. But if I, in your time of need, if I go to your hospital bed, 
if I go to your home after losing, and like you'll remember that for the rest of your life. You, you will forget what I say today, probably this afternoon. But if, I, if I'm there for you in your time of need, you won't forget that. There's value, Peter is saying, in the presence of ministry, in the ministry of presence. Like if you're there for them in their time of need, you've not left that you've tended to them. They need a leader that's there, that's present, that's willing to go through the same thing that they are going through. And when the chief shepherd appears, you will receive the unfading crown of glory. And Peter reminds the elders that God's reward will come to those who lead. Tom Schreiner, a New Testament professor at Southern Seminary, says that Peter did not call on leaders to, to sacrifice with no thought of reward. He reminded them that their labor for others will have a great reward and will bring remarkable joy. How do you motivate someone to suffer? To be a leader? To give of yourself? To give of your time and resources for the outcome of suffering? Peter says, listen, he's trying to motivate these leaders that there is an eternal reward for being a faithful leader. It's not unseen that God sees your faithfulness. God sees your willingness to sacrifice. He sees your willingness to tend to your flock. He sees your willingness to be present. And he will honor this. I think what he also is doing here is he's reminding them that this position of leadership is temporary. He calls Jesus the chief shepherd. This is the only time we see this word throughout all of Scripture. He is the chief shepherd. One day, friends, the sky is going to part. And every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is Lord. And your, your role as a, as a leader, deacon, elder, Sunday school teacher, whatever it is, is going to cease to exist. And the ultimate leader, the chief leader, chief elder, the chief shepherd will appear and assume his role at the head of the table. Verse 5, in the same way, you younger men be a subject to the elders, and all of you clothe yourself with humility toward one another, because God resists the power, the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Peter says that young men were to listen to the older, but all were to be humble and to humble themselves around one another and treat each person with humility. Peter was calling these young men to honor the elders. As a young man, you want to prove yourself. You want to prove that you're competent, that you're called, that you have the ability to do something. You want other people to see your ability. And if you, the fear I think oftentimes is that if you don't show that you have ability, that you're not, that you're competent, that you, that you're called by God, then you're going to get passed over for a position that you feel like you rightly deserve. I, uh, I tell people all the time that what I look for in a leader, whether that's a pay position or a volunteer position, is four characteristics. No matter what it is, this is what I want. I want them to be called by God. I want them to have character. I want them to be competent, which means they have the ability to be successful. Okay? If you put me on the stage to preach, I can do it. If you put me on the stage to sing, I don't have that ability, right? And some of us have the ability to sing, thankfully, and some of us don't. And that's okay. 
But do you have the competency? And are you committed to what God is calling you to do? Do you have commitment? Are you going to just take the job and leave? Or are you willing to stay and be faithful in times of hardship? Those are the four things I look for for every single leader that we put in position, whether it's paid. And what I think what Peter is saying here is, listen, you might, like, I think he's stressing the character aspect of this. He's like, listen, like, you, you might think that you're called. You, you might have all the talent in the world. You might be committed. But if you don't have the character, the humility to honor your elders, then listen, you don't have the calling that you think you do. Do you think God's going to put somebody in a position of leadership that has no character, that's unwilling to honor other people, that's willing to be humble, that's willing to serve, that's willing to... I, if you don't believe me, just listen to the way he says. God resists the proud, but gives grace to the humble. If you expect God to bless your ministry and God is resisting you, good luck. <laughs> if you expect God to, to bless your life and you're resisting him, good luck. <laughs> God gives grace to those who, what? The humble. God's grace is, is doing something for you that you cannot do for yourself. Jason Allen, the president of Midwestern, he says this. He says, what, <laughs> if, if God is for you, Two plus two doesn't equal four, it equals eight. And if God isn't for you, two plus two doesn't equal four, it equals three. And oftentimes it equals something less than that. And that's what Peter is saying here. If, listen, God gives grace to the humble. If God is calling you to do something, he's calling you to be a person, a man, a woman of character. If you've been married for less than five years, would you do me a favor? Would you raise your hand? If you've been married for less than five years. Some of you aren't very proud of this. I'm like, just, I'm like maybe last, I promise I won't do anything more than I did to you last week, okay? Now, if you've been married for more than 50 years, would you raise your hand? More than 50 years. Now, you should be proud of that, so raise your hand high, okay? Now, listen to me. Can you imagine the audacity of the people that were married for less than five years to go to these people that have been married for 50 plus years and say, let me tell you something about marriage. You know, <laughs> like, like it's comical, right? We wouldn't do it. No one in their right mind would be like, you know what? I know more than you do about this. Like they have forgotten more than you know, right? And, and this is what Peter is saying here. Listen, you young people, you need to like, go listen to their story. Honor them. Let them have a voice in your life. You don't know it all. You think you do, but you don't. I don't know about you, but I, like, I love talking to older people, most of you, you know. And, uh, but like, I love hearing the story. I love talking to Maurice about his time as a worship leader at White Park Baptist Church. I mean, here's a guy, longtime worship leader of this church, still very talented. He teaches a Sunday school class. If I ask him to play the piano at the funeral or at a service or anything, like, he is so willing to do it. And if I ask him for advice, he, I'll be honest with you, he's, he's slow to give it to you, and, but not in a bad way. But he thinks about it. And he, he's, he's, 
He's wise with his words that he shares. And he, I mean, I respect Maurice so very highly, as many of you do. And there are people in our church that are worthy of your respect, that have served this church for years and years and years, through the thick, through the thin. And you should listen to them. Hear their story. Hear the the history of this church. Hear the history of their faith. Humble yourselves, verse 6 says. Therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time, casting all of your care on him because he cares about you. Peter is, is teaching the church that you humble yourself so that God may exalt you. God is with you. He cares for you. Friends, I'm certain that God cares for you today. There isn't a person here that God does not care about, that God does not love, but God loves you and cares for you. If it wasn't so, he wouldn't have sent his son, Jesus Christ, to die on the cross for your sins. God loves you, desires for you to be saved, desires for you to to see your sin and to admit that you're a sinner, to put your faith and trust in his son, Jesus Christ, so that you might be right in his eyes. It's not something that you can do on your own, friends. You You can't be saved You can't save yourself. It's something that God does for you. And God God loves you. And he gave his son, Jesus Christ, to die for you. If you look throughout scripture, you will see circumstances after circumstances of God by the side of the one who is faithful. The person that's faithful, you will see God has not left them nor forsaken them. Joshua 1, after Moses died, Joshua was to lead the people. And listen to what our God says to him. Joshua 1, 5, no one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. First Chronicles 28, 20, David said to his son Solomon, be strong and courageous and do the work. Do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord. My God is with you. He will not fail you nor forsake you until all the work of the service of the temple of the Lord is finished. Go just do a word search, friends. Go and look it up. God will not leave you. Nor for, I mean, you will see time and time and time and time and time. I could, we could be here all day of circumstances and situations and stories that we could tell, not only in scripture, but in our own life. And what God has done, he's never left us nor forsaken us, but he has stood by you, has he not? Amen? God is with you, friends. He loves you. I, uh, I just want to invite you today, as this verse says, to, to cast all of your cares upon the Lord. You know, that's easier said than done, is it not? But Jesus said, hey, listen, what good is it to worry about tomorrow? You know, your days are numbered. What good is it? I, uh, a few years ago, I started coaching there at the high school. And I had a kid. He was doing a single leg, and he was doing it wrong. And I, I tried to coach him. I said, listen, you're doing this wrong. Let me help you. And his response was, listen, I've been doing this for three years. <laughs> My response was, well, for three years, you've been doing it wrong. I, I, I've been doing this longer than you've been alive. Let me just, let me just try to help you, okay? 
I kid you not, midway through that season, that kid quit wrestling. He quit. He was unwilling to be coached, unwilling to listen, and he was miserable at it. And he was a miserable kid. I mean, he, he just was, he wasn't happy. Nothing you said to him was the right thing. Uh, this year I'm coaching 7th and 8th graders at Bodie and I'm helping with the high school as well. And I had a 7th grade boy, first year wrestling. At the, I shared this with on Wednesday night, so I apologize for being repetitive. But he, every day at the end of practice, he looks at me, comes to me, says, Coach, he shakes my hand, looks me in the eye, says, thanks for a great practice, Coach. I really appreciate it. Every day he says this. That, listen, I can, I can tell you right now that there isn't another kid on that team that does that. And there, actually, there's never been a kid that I ever coached that has done that. Like that's, that's honor. He's honoring his coach, right? That's not something that he was born with, but rather something that he was what? Taught. His parents have taught him to honor his coach, the person that's in authority. On Tuesday, he... We had a wrestling meet, and this kid, he's a good kid, good wrestler, but it's his first year. He's never done it before. He wrestled three matches. He, he lost his first one, won a second one, and then the, this third match, he, I kid you not, he was at the, end of the, at the end of the second period, he was down six to nothing. They're one-minute periods, okay? And I told him, I said, listen, we're going to stand, it's your choice. We're going to stand you up, and in order, you have one minute to get six points. You need to throw this kid in order to have a chance at winning. He looks, at me, he looks at me and he says, okay. He goes out there and he throws him. Puts the guy on his back and gets two points for takedown, two points for a near fall. The guy gets a reversal. So now he's down eight to four. With like 30 seconds left to go in this match. And this guy has been dominating him on the top position this entire match. He gets up, gets a reversal. So that's two more points. So it's eight to six. Puts him on his back. Okay, as the time is going out, he's, the ref is counting. If he would have had one more second, he would have won. And here this kid is. I mean, he's doing everything that I tell him to do. I'm yelling, I'm screaming at him, losing my voice. And he's willing to listen. I wish I could say I was a good coach and I got him to get the victory in the third match, but I didn't, you know. And, uh, but his opponent came to me at the end of that match, shook my hand and said, that kid can wrestle. So not only does he have my respect, but he has the opponent's respect as well. You know? I just want to say this. Like, you, you have the ability within yourself to honor other people. To honor our Lord. With the decisions that you make, with the lifestyle that you have. It's a choice, friends. And you have that choice. Say, listen, I'm going to Honor my Lord by being faithful to him. And God honors those who honor him. God honors the faithful, friends. And they're, like the Bible teaches us right here that those who are are going to be rewarded. Those who are honoring God will be, reward, will be rewarded for their faithfulness. I'm not sure about you, but that sounds pretty good to me. Because the opposite is condemnation, friends. And you know what? I don't, that doesn't sound good at all. I don't want that. But we start by making a profession of faith and saying, listen, to escape God's judgment, I believe that I've done wrong. I'm, I'm just going to be self-aware enough to say, I've done wrong, I've made mistakes, 
And Jesus Christ is the answer to my problem. My sin problem isn't being answered by politics. It's not being answered by a nonprofit. It's not being answered by a political figure or a, 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 a famous person or a musician. It's being answered by Jesus Christ himself. And if you try to find some other way to right the wrongs that you have, you're going to be sorely, sorely, sorely mistaken, sorely mistaken. It's not, it's not possible, friends. Only Jesus Christ can bring you into a place of honor. That's it. If you want God to honor you, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ. That's the answer to your sin problem. That's the solution. It doesn't come any other way. It's only by the blood of Jesus Christ. If you're here today and you never profess Christ as Savior and Lord, I just want to give you the opportunity the time to do that today, to say, I admit that I'm a sinner and I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and I will serve, I confess that I will serve him for the rest of my life. He's my Lord and I'm his servant. Lord, we give you thanks for this day. We thank you so much for the many opportunities that you've given to us today to hear a word from you. I pray, Lord, that today that you would give us the grace that we need to hear a message, a, a call to salvation, and respond. And Lord, I, it's heavy on my heart today for whatever reason that there is someone today in this room that has never admitted that they are a sinner, believe that Jesus is the Son of God, and confess Christ as Savior and Lord. And so, Lord, whoever that person is, I pray, Lord, that they would not leave this place without making a profession of faith. Lord, if you would, pierce their heart today and allow them to hear a message from you. Lord, we give you all the honor, all the glory, not something that I've done, but something that you've done. For the believer that's struggling with their faith today, I pray, Lord, that you would bless them, that you give them the grace that they need to honor you with their life. Lord, I, I know that we have some other things planned today. We have people that are joining the church. We have an announcement to make. But Lord, let's put that on pause just for a second and allow for us to hear from you today, to respond in a way that bring you honor and glory. Lord Jesus, we love you and pray all these things in your name. Amen.